Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Mentoring Monday podcast today. Um, we thank you all for joining us. And uh, before I introduce our guests, let me please go through a couple of announcements. Um, first of all, we thank last week Friday's and last week Monday's guests, uh, Randy Booth on Friday and Brett Grow, and we're grateful for what they've had to share with us. Um, some announcements that we have are next week's Mentoring Monday podcast uh, is going to be with Paul Staples. And then this week, Aloha, this week's Aloha Friday podcast will be with Api Tora. And um, again, it'll be at three o'clock, both this week, Friday and next week, Monday. Now, I encourage each of you alumni to join Friday and all students to join us on our Mentoring Monday podcasts. You can also connect with all of our alumni at ohana.byuh.edu. So now I would like to uh, get into it with introducing our guests. Uh, we're grateful to have Elder and Sister McCarty today. Uh, Elder and Sister McCarty are senior missionaries here teaching at BYU Hawaii, and they're on their last week uh, teaching with us. And uh, they are from Utah. Um, Elder McCarty is originally from Oregon and Sister McCarty and Elder McCarty are able to meet um, while at school at BYU Provo. Elder McCarty has been working at Dow Chemical for 23 years and he will explain to us more about his experiences then. And Sister McCarty has been a home builder for um, as long as they've been married. And both of them have many great experiences that they've had and I've learned a lot from them, and I'm grateful that we have this chance to um, to discuss, to converse, and talk story. And I hope that each of you will be able to learn as much, or at least learn something, as I have learned from them. So without further ado, we would like to bring them onto the show. Hello, Elder and Sister McCarty. Aloha. Aloha. Again, I'm happy to have both of you here and uh, talking to all of our guests and our um, listeners here on the Mentoring Monday podcast. Um, there's been a lot of things that I've talked with you and I've introduced you a little bit, but could you share a little bit more about yourselves and your families? You'd be happy to do that. Do you have the first slide? Yeah, I think so. Oh, can we go up uh, to the, there you go. One more day, there, that's it. Okay, so this is a little bit about us. I was raised in Oregon and Texas. Then I served a mission in Peru and graduated with degrees in elementary and special ed from BYU Provo. We met as we were freshmen at BYU and went on the worst date of our lives. Then we met again when we were seniors and had a totally different experience and were engaged in three weeks and married in three months. That was 45 years ago in December. And we have now have eight daughters, seven son-in-laws and 32 grandchildren. So we love our family. I graduated, I was born in Oregon, uh, served a mission in Washington, D.C., um, got a degree in chemical engineering, went to work for Dow Chemical, where I worked for 30 years. Um, 
at the, uh, while I was working for Dow, I got an MBA while I was living in Chicago. And I worked for Dow in Chicago, Houston, um, Denver, and Midland, Michigan, where the corporate headquarters are. We were in Midland for 19 years. Okay, nice. I know you told me about your experiences in um, Michigan, but could you tell me about how um, you went from not well, how you got to Michigan? Because I remember you telling me something about needing to go to Michigan for um, improving and increasing your career. Yeah, so in uh, we started in Denver in kind of a training position. We were there just a year. Then we went to Chicago in our first full assignment. And uh, to in a large corporation, Dow Chemical is a $60 billion company and um, uh, 50,000 employees. And so a large company, um, you've got to do well in your assignments and you need to move through them relatively quickly if you want to move up in the company because uh, they need people who have broad experiences and a number of experiences. And if you take too long in each assignment to be able to become good in that assignment, then you don't have enough time to have enough assignments to move into top level jobs. So we worked uh, in, I had three different jobs in Chicago, and then we went to uh, Houston, where we started up a new business for Dow, Dow in the oil and gas industry. And while I was there, I was, um, I was a technical sales uh, for uh, uh, technology sales, and then I was a national sales manager. I was a market manager. I was an industry manager, a supply chain manager, uh, a number of things in the five years we were there. And then uh, to get ahead and, and to move up in the company, you needed to be at the corporate headquarters. And so even though financially it was a difficult move, sometimes you need to make tough financial moves. It cost us about $60,000 a year more to live in Michigan. But I'm sorry, it took us about $30,000 more a year to live in Michigan, plus an additional $30,000 the first year. Um, and we only got about a $5,000 raise. So financially, it was disastrous for us to go up there. But over the next few years, our, our, uh, over the next 10 years, our income quadrupled um, because wow. we were able to move through a series of jobs. So those things always help. Sister okay. McCarty, on the other hand, was very productive. Uh, can you see the next slide? Tell them about our eight. These are our eight daughters circling around. We did, had this for our second daughter when she got married. She's the bride in the middle, and the other daughters are circling around. It took us 16 years to get those beautiful eight daughters. And after that 16 years, I decided that I was not going to be going into the schoolroom other than as the volunteer that I've been doing for years. So I used my degree as a super volunteer mother to the schools. <laughs> and these eight daughters were productive. Can we see the next slide? We have 32 grandchildren. They are not all in this picture, but there are 32 of them. And I think we've had about eight or nine more since this picture was taken. <laughs> Could you tell me, um, 
Sister McCarty, what were your experiences with with raising your daughters, especially during those times when you had to move? Moving was a challenge, but the church is what saves you because you move into a place and the church, they're immediately your family. They welcome you in. They help you. you, you they become family. They become Ohana immediately. And so go to church and stay strong in the church and it will help you wherever you go. Totally agree. I remember talking to a person uh, who was moving in the company and he was very concerned about moving his family and his children. And he didn't want to move because he knew the uh, difficulty it would have for them. And um, we talked about what he was going to do and he didn't have the church. He wasn't a member of the church. And, and he had a much, much more difficult time making the move and the transition. It was much harder on his family because he didn't have that immediate group of people to put their arms around them and love them and welcome them in. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, I want to backtrack a little bit. Um, what are the names of all your daughters again? The oldest one is Margie. She's named after my mother. The next one is Heather. Then Lee. Then Rebecca. We call her Becky. Then Allison. Then Katie. <laughs> She's named after Katie, Texas, because I always loved Katie. She's actually Catherine, but so you can, they can't see it, can they? Can, uh, can you guys see the girls? We've got um, Chelsea is number seven, and then Lori is number eight. And Lori's middle name is Octavia, which means eighth daughter. So that's what we've got for the girls. <laughs> So those are our girls. If you guys can see them on the side, those are some of our girls right there. Margie on the top, then Heather. Yeah. So we got Margie and Heather and Allison and Katie and Lori. And there's uh, Jeremiah. And our little miracle baby, Abigail, who was born during, our mission. during our mission. She's the youngest grandchild of the 32. So... They all wanted to say hi and they're happy. Um, I think, is there a way that we can hear from a few of them? Can any of you guys talk? Hi. We're so proud of our parents for serving a mission. <laughs> all right. Katie or Chelsea? Um, I had someone ask me if it was hard to um, have my parents in Hawaii um, when so they didn't get to see their grandkids as often. Um, and and it was so comforting to be able to say that while while we wish we could have seen them more, they raised us to understand that um, that serving the Lord was the most important thing that we can do and that he will take care of all of all of the important things as we put him first and so i have felt a lot of of blessing and peace and comfort as they've been serving their mission um and you know reaping the blessings in our lives from their service thank you katie when we were set apart for our mission we were promised that our family would be blessed and we have seen our family blessed we know the lord loves us and he loves our children 
and he loves his missionaries. And this is Becky that was just added in at the last one on the bottom right. She's in Spanish Fork. Chelsea is in Folsom, California. Katie's in Austin, Texas. Heather is in Pasco, Washington. Allison's in Orem, and Margie's in Provo. And we're missing Ara Lee, who's probably at work in Oregon. That's awesome. Kind of all over the place, but also I bet it's been, I bet everyone is having a wonderful time or at least experience, good experiences at each place where you're at. Well, they also got to have the wonderful experience of coming to Hawaii. We have traveled a lot and our children have been to all 40, 48 states. And so when we came to Hawaii, we said, okay, we'll bring you to Hawaii. So they've all been here. And now after our mission, at some point, we're going to have to go to Alaska. <laughs> that's the state. Has, um, so does that mean all of your children have visited while you've been on your mission to Hawaii? Yes. Yep. It's been wonderful to see them. Yeah. And because of COVID in the middle of our mission, we were able to be home for baby births and baptisms. So even though it'll be 32 months by the end of the mission, we will have spent part of it being able to see our family. So COVID in some ways was a blessing. That's really good. Um, is there anything else that anyone wants to say um, while they're, while you're on the podcast? Um, I guess kind of along with Katie talking about blessings and my mom just kind of said it. I was just going to say my biggest concern when they called me to tell me that they were going to go on a mission is that I was pregnant. And I was like, no, I want you to be here when I have my baby and help. And they always come when we have babies. So anyway, I was worried about that and they were home because of COVID. So that was a big blessing for me. Um, that they were home. And then kind of along with what Katie said, um, I remember when I went on my mission and my mom said that she wouldn't be too sad or cry too much when I was on my mission because she knew that there's nowhere else that I, that she would rather have me be. And I have felt that way while my parents are on their mission that there isn't anywhere else I'd rather have them be than, you know, serving and um, getting to grow themselves and help other people grow and do what they're doing. Thank you, Chelsea. There's nowhere else we would rather be. Being here in BYU, Hawaii has been a dream mission. We love the students here. We love the things they've taught us. We love the culture here. It's amazing. Been a great experience. Some people say um, that you must enjoy being there in paradise. And while we enjoy the weather and the and the beaches and the island. It's really the campus. It's the students. It's the uh, people in the career development department. It's it's the talent of the students here in their shows and their concerts, and that's what's been great in teaching religion and and feeling the conversion and the spirit of the students. That's what's been a blessing for us. Awesome. Thank you. Is there any like major um, memories that you have of all together while you've been on your mission? The students, we've had some amazing experience with students, some of them watching them get the job that they've been 
working for some some of the students we spent a lot of time interviewing not interviewing them but helping them learn how to interview and how to do the things to get their jobs and yesterday saturday during graduation as we walked across campus we had so many students stop us and say i got the job i wanted i'm going to amazon or i'm going to earth and young or i'm going wherever it is because and we we're just grateful that we played a tiny part in that the students are who they are and they're getting the jobs because of who they are but it's been wonderful to be here and to have a tiny part in helping them prepare to go out into the world. And as the motto, um, go forth to serve, we know that that's what the students here are being prepared for. And we've been blessed to be a tiny part of, of that, of helping them be ready to go out into the world. Thank you. One of the things that's been so much fun for us, and we'll talk about on-campus internships in a couple of minutes, but to see students who thought that there was nothing that they could do, there was no, um, that that uh, they were struggling with their um, projects and with what it was they were being asked to do, and, and it seemed too hard for them, and they were um, uh, kind of overwhelmed by uh, what they were being asked to do and being able to then give them some guidance, some encouragement, some, some help to know the best way to get something done and then to watch them just come alive and become excited and, um, and to see them thrilled to succeed and to have a great outcome on the project. Uh, those are just amazing and wonderful experiences for me. Thank you. Um, is there anything that we want to say before um, we we come back to center? Um, any of and do any of um, Elder McCarty's family want to say anything before? I um, I just want to add that um, I know my parents have made a big impact in BYU Hawaii because they had years and years of practice before they got there. Um, they helped me find lots of jobs. They helped my husband with his resume and interviewing skills to help him as he got jobs. And I know they've done that for their other daughters and son-in-laws. So when I heard that they would be serving this mission, I knew it was just the perfect fit for them and they'd be able to bless so many others the way they've blessed um, all of their family. Awesome. Thank you, Heather. Yeah, I got to go visit twice and it was just fun to see how naturally they just were able to do this calling, this this mission because it's just exactly what they're good at. Both of them, my mom loves to do um, religion teaching, you know, and my dad just has so much experience with business and everything. So it was fun both times to get to go and just how important their call, their mission was to them or is to them making sure they put in so much time and energy into doing the best they can to just bless the students as much as they can in the little bit of time they have. So it's been fun to watch. Really cool. Um, how many grandchildren did you see you have again, Elder and Sister McCarty? We have 32. Little Abigail on the screen is number 32. 
And if I knew what Janae was, I'd tell you what number she is. But <laughs> and there's, and old, there's Melanie. old Melanie. And the bunny ears was Jordan. He's not there. In the glasses. Awesome. Love our grandchildren. And we've we've missed them, but we know that we're doing what the Lord wants us to do. And we love our daughters. Thank you for being part of this podcast. Oh my. We did not expect to have <laughs> We did not know about it. Last night I thought, oh, we ought to let our kids know about this and forgot to do it. So like somebody else was ahead of us. Love you, Grandma and Grandpa, and our whole family. Love you, Melanie. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Um, so I guess for now we will say um, see you later to everyone for all the uh, for all to all of your daughters. Um, we're gonna come back to center and uh, continue uh, continue with the slides. Um, so go to the next one. So when I first started coming to universities and talking to students, um, I have a master's degree. Students would want to call me Dr. McCarty. And I'd say, don't call me Dr. McCarty. I don't have a PhD. I have a master, so you can call me Master McCarty. They didn't <laughs> think that was funny. <laughs> but uh, so I would tell, you know, when we start teaching students about business and, and real world experiences and real world internships, you know, sometime I would say, you know, why do you, why should you listen to me? You know, I don't have a PhD, but um, these are some of the jobs that I've had. Um, not all of them. Uh, I mean, I've had more than this, but these are some of the jobs that I've had. Um, and you can see that it's a wide variety of, um, of business, of technology, of uh, supply chain, training, learning, HR, uh, business director, financial analysts, um, market research, product management, consulting, uh, strategy. And so it was really a great career. I had a wonderful experience. I loved the 30 years I spent at Dow. It was a great company. And toward the end, as the director of strategy for the company, I was over all 122 divisions of the company. And so I would help develop strategy across all 122. And that means you've got to be doing more than one at a time. So I would normally be working with about 15 uh, divisions at a time. And I would have teams at each one of those divisions working on strategy. And then I would, would work with each one of the teams to help them move forward and love doing it. But I got to be truthful. I hate travel. <laughs> <laughs> I had to travel all over the world to make this happen. And um, uh, so Sister McCarty and I had said we were going to plan financially to be able to start doing missions in our mid-50s. That was our goal. And uh, we wanted to be able to serve a number of missions. And um, we, the trouble was um, we financially planned well enough to be able to do that, but we forgot to quit having kids. So, so when we got to our mid-50s, we had a sixth grader and a freshman in high school. So we couldn't go and serve a mission, but we felt strongly impressed to retire and go and work at BYU. And when we went there, they put us in charge of um, running consulting projects around the world for their MBA program. But I thought, you know, 
MBAs have a lot of experience to start with, but what about the undergraduates? I recruited on campus for 18 years. I came to BYU campus and recruited students. During that time, I also interviewed lots and lots of students from Harvard and Wharton and University of Michigan, University of Chicago and um, Ohio State and Texas A&M and all top schools around the country. And what I found was BYU students had way less work experience than other students did. And so I asked if I could set up a program where students in Provo would be able to do internships. But I received some strong revelation that said, instead of sending the students out around the country and around the world to do projects, what if we used our amazing alumni to go out and find alumni in New York and Seattle and San Francisco and Paris and Shanghai and Lima, Peru and Akuragana. And what if we went out and found these alumni and asked them to sponsor internships? And instead of having the students leave campus and having to quit school for a semester, what if we had, instead of one student working 40 hours a week, what if we had five students each working seven to nine hours a week and as a team, they would work 40 hours. The company would get 40 hours, but five different people would get an internship. And the company would get the creativity and enthusiasm of five different students and get to see them and consider them for future jobs. This seemed like an amazing uh, revelation of uh, insight. And uh, so I asked uh, if I could put this program on and they said it wouldn't work. It was too difficult, too hard to manage. And I said, well, in the vision that I saw, I could do 2,000 students a year without any additional cost to the university. And they said, well, that's not possible and you can't do it. But I said, well, let me start with one class of 25 students. And they said, well, we'll let you do that. <laughs> and so I did. And then after I had it set up, I didn't have to go back and ask permission anymore. So the next semester, I had 100 students and then 150 and then 300 and and before long, we were doing 2,000 students a semester, and I'm sorry, 1,000 students a semester and 2,000 students a year. So the Lord knew what he was talking about. If you'll turn to the next slide, I think this is going to show what this program is. So when we would talk to students and they would say, well, you can't get a job without experience and you can't get experience without a job. So how do you get started? It's this chicken and egg. Well, with an on-campus internship, you can get both. You sign up for the course in CRDEV 301R called on-campus internships, and you then go out at the very bottom of this slide, you can see where it says visit oci.byuh.edu. They go to that slide, they can see a list of all the projects that we're gonna have for the next semester. And they can go ahead and, uh, and tell us which projects they're most interested in being on. If they register for the class, they're guaranteed an internship and we let them rate them. So we're sure to put them on one they want to be on. And we have projects. For, now, these are the ones we're doing here in BYU Hawaii as an example. These are some of the projects. We've also done them for Formosa and Sherwin-Williams and uh, for uh, lots and lots of uh, big companies, small company startups, then projects in Taiwan, Japan, uh, Thailand, Malaysia, Philippines, um, Samo uh, Samoa, Mongolia, Mongolia 
um, a number of them in the U.S. Um, so lots and lots of projects. Can we go to the next slide? So this is what that on-campus internship is. It's an internship where the students stay on campus while taking other classes. The internship project can be for a sponsor anywhere in the world, and the students work virtually in teams of three to five people. Each student works seven to nine hours per week on the internship, as the interns each receive three hours of college credit. And these are unpaid internships because they are receiving credit for doing it, and because we're trying to maximize the number of internships available, and because the students are able to maintain their existing jobs while they work on campus. Students gain real-world experience and, res and resume enhancement that I, you know, after we'd been doing this for about eight years in Provo, the, um, uh, I, I remember some recruiters coming to a lunch and they were saying, what has happened to your students? Something has changed. That This is totally different. We used to talk about BYU as having the least amount of experience, of work experience of any campus we ever went to. Your students have great work experience. They have multiple work experience. We do not know what's happening. What changed at your campus? Why is it so different? Your students are so much better prepared and so much more competitive with students from other campuses because of all this work experience they've had. We told them about the on-campus internship program and they said, we love this. In fact, how can we sign up? We want to do them too. Um, so it's a great program that changes the profile of the student. And the students can create a network of professionals in their field and in their home country if they choose to do projects in their home country. We are trying to target projects in the countries that the students come from. Now, one of the things we found when we first started the program was, is that the students, um, you know, they've never done a real world project before. They've never gone out and had to solve business problems and technical problems and teaching problems, because we have TESOL students, we have uh, political science students, we have psychology students, we have business students, we have mathematicians, we have computer science. But a lot of these students, all they've ever done is homework. They don't know how to go out and solve real world problems. So what we did is we created a course, a Canvas course they do online while they're doing the project. And so they learn in this program, they learn about team formation, team roles, planning meetings with the team and with the sponsors and organizing and getting the project running well. We have a sponsor, we teach them about sponsor negotiation of deliverables, how you don't just accept what the sponsor gave you, you ask, how do I add value to this? How do I make it even better? How do I create a project that's gonna create real value for the sponsor? And then create an, a professional uh, consulting engagement letter that describes what it is you're agreeing to do and what you'll accomplish for the uh, sponsor. We then take them through some training on how to do project planning, action registers, Gantt charts, so that they can lay out a 14-week plan for how they're going to meet these deliverables and how they're going to complete this project. Most of the students have not had to do projects that involve multiple people and have not had to do a 14-week long project. So it's um, very daunting to try and get started when you've never done that. 
So we teach them how to use planning tools like Monday.com, Harvard Project, uh, Tom's Planner, different kinds of uh, tools that allow them to um, uh, plan their project. In the middle of the project, we teach them about midterm reports and sponsor renegotiations. You know, quite often you learn in the middle of a project that you, what you were originally going to do doesn't make sense anymore, or we can't do as much or as broadly as we thought we could do. We teach the student it's critical that you over that you underpromise and overdeliver. So at the midterm, you have to renegotiate to make sure that when you get to the end of the project, what you're providing them is what they're expecting to see. Finally, as we get into week 10 and 11 of the project, uh, we teach them about reaching multiple conclusions. This concept that you have just one answer, there's only one right answer and that everything else is wrong, that's not real world, that's homework assignments. That's where the answer is in the back of the book for the teacher. Uh, in the real world, there's many options that are possible. And so you need to consider all of the different options and determine why you've selected the option that you have and the recommendation that you've made and why you've taken the actions that you've taken. You need to be able to explain why were those the best out of all of the ones that were considered and then develop a detailed technical report of what it was you accomplished, what, you, uh, what activities you achieved, and what recommendations you're making. Finally, in week 12 of the project, we teach them how to make decision-oriented executive level final presentations that would be the quality and style that would be accepted in boardrooms around corporate America, what top executives are looking for in a presentation. Students who have taken this approach and then used these presentations in their summer internships and in their full-time jobs report back that they receive uh, stellar um, reviews from these companies who, who just aren't used to seeing young people knowing how to present to top level executives. They're, it's just not expected that they would know how to do that and our students do because of the training they receive in the class. So all of this is part of on-campus internships that we dearly love and that was conceived by the Lord and implemented at BYU in Provo, BYU in Idaho, and now at BYU in Hawaii. And we're thrilled to be a part of it. Yeah, we know that it is a project that Heavenly Father wanted. I watched Elder McCarty wake up at four in the morning as he received inspiration of how to organize the program so that he could put so many students through it. We don't expect to ever have as many here because we don't even have that many students, but we've loved having the students we've had so far and we would love for the on-campus internship program to grow. If you can see these students, how happy they are, they're happy because what they've learned as they've been on the on-campus internship program. And we're happy to have been associated with these wonderful students and, and watch the learning and the growth and the opportunities that will come to them because of the learning that they've been able to experience here. So these are sophomores, juniors, and seniors. They're computer um, science students. They're IT students. They're information system students and a marketing student. And they work together 
on a project in the Philippines for one of the largest companies in the Philippines, IMI, Integrated Microelectronics Inc. And they built a web portal uh, that managed the training programs of the company and, and reported on the training of the, of the employees of the 17,000 employees of the company. A wonderful project. And that's just one example of a project that yeah. was done this we semester. We could show you 16 more pictures just like that of wonderful teams of students who had the opportunity to do a project for a company in various parts of the world and the, the many things that they were able to learn during that opportunity. So that's on-campus internships. Uh, Wahi, did you want to ask any questions before we uh, end this section? Well, not really. I just, uh, maybe a comment. I've had the chance to go through it myself and I've seen how it's helped me and I know I've been able to grow a lot from that as well. But um, I guess tying in with on-campus internships and this next section here is kind of, there are many students who uh, still don't know where they're going. Um, and I think uh, this next section would answer the question of how do students figure out where to go next or if what they're, major, what they're majoring in is even what they want to do. Thank you. Yeah, we love this course, Designing Your Life. It's a, a comes out of Stanford in their designing actual instruments and things course, but they've, they've used that in designing a life. And we really feel like it's helpful. And we've seen it for many students as it's helped them to feel, figure out how their life view and their work view work together and how those are going to help them design the life that the, they want and that they feel like Heavenly Father wants for them. It's a great course. Can you move to the next slide? Okay, so these are the steps in design. Let's do some design. So you begin, empathize, define, ideate, prototype, and test. And you do the, these same steps in designing your life. And in that course, you'll learn the things to do to prototype your life, to test your life before you have put all of your eggs into one basket, so to speak. You can practice things and do things that will help you know, do I really want to go into business? Do I want to do finance or do I want to be an accountant or a mathematician, whatever it might be? And this course can help you figure out um, where you want to go. Next slide. It's simple. These are some of the steps. Get curious talk to people, and try stuff. And one more click. Oh, it's not there. All right. Okay. And a lot of the things in the course are things to do. It's all about doing, and it's all about you. Every class that we've taught, including the OCIs, it's really about you and how you can prepare yourself for your future. And Designing Your Life is a is a great course for while he can probably verify that for you as well, because he's been through it and can see the value of it. Yes, and I've been able to practice many of the principles in there. Um, it does take time and it's a different kind of hard um, to do, especially doing it for yourself. 
It's true. It's not an easy class, but it's a good class. And it's all about you, which I think is, is wonderful. It's all to help you. So we teach um, uh, on-campus internships, which is Career Development 301. We teach Design Your Life, which is Career Development 202. And we teach, next slide, uh, Career Development 302. Career. Career Development 302, uh, Career Transitions. Now, this is a class that is uh, for seniors who are transitioning from BYU-Hawaii out into the job market. So if you go to the next slide, these are the topics that we cover during the course. We have graduation application. You can't get out without a graduation ticket. Uh, networking, career mentoring, professional brand. How do you know, how do you represent yourself to uh, companies, um, to employers? How do you represent yourself as what you're gonna bring to them? Moving in between career silos and time management professional branded resumes, industry and employment analysis, where are you going to live? What kind of industry? Are there jobs in that industry? Um, are there jobs in that location? Uh, what kind of pay is there? Uh, all of these kind of things, we teach them how to analyze all of that type of stuff. Specific job cover letters and elevator pitches so that they can represent themselves to people. Professional references and life decisions. Uh, we have a class on those, job interviews, critical uh, learning how to have job interviews where you can make a difference and differentiate yourself. Visa information and graduate school planning, Perfect, uh, personal finances, budgeting and taxes we talk about, and professional internships and summarizing the class. So these are some of the topics that we cover during a career transitions class and again, this is another class where it's all about you. Uh, it's everything you do is it's your resume, your cover letter, your um, elevator pitch, your personal brand, your interviews. Everything we do is about you. So that makes it fun uh, in these classes to do that. Lastly, we also teach a religion class, Jesus Christ and his everlasting gospel. And guess what? That's all about you too, because it's about your testimony and your conversion, and we have been deeply impacted by the testimonies and conversions of these students that we've worked with, their heartfelt uh, experiences, their struggle with questions, and their uh, determining their commitment in their life. Um, it's been an amazing experience. Yes, we have loved being here. We've loved all of our opportunities. We thank Eric Shumway for allowing us to teach that religion class is just an added, an added um, piece of our mission. We also want to thank James Faustino for allowing us to be part of the career services department and thank, and I'm going to get in trouble because I'll forget people, but <laughs> thank Blake Cummings and Eddie Mayava and Mo, uh, Maurice Mo'o and Kenny Kalama and David Apu David. and Chad and everybody here in Jason. The, yeah, Jason and, and Kevin. And our two A's, Oahe and Aiden Eccles. We just really appreciate the opportunity that we've had to be here and to, to learn from you and to be part of this BYU Hawaii Ohana. And while we're sad to be leaving, um, 
we were very concerned that we bring somebody in who can bring uh, similar enthusiasm, excitement, experience, and depth of commitment to the kind of things that we're doing. And we were thrilled when James and Kelly Mason received um, a call to serve with us, uh, to serve and replace us. They, uh, we've known them for over 30 years, and they are amazing people. They were recently released from the Hartford Temple presidency, and uh, James recently retired, and uh, they're now ready to serve the world, and, and BYU Hawaii will be greatly blessed by their um, coming. Um, so, Elder and Sister Mason, do you want to introduce yourselves a little bit? so that um, uh, the, our, our listeners can know a little bit more of who you are and add on to what Elder and Sister McCarty have already said. Do you have a mic? Oh, you're muted. Oh. Here we are. <laughs> Hello. We're thrilled to be here. It's absolutely fantastic for us to be here in Hawaii and have this. Uh, uh, Sister Mason, have I talked many times that uh, we could, we're retired, we could go any place and do whatever we want. And we can't think of any place that we'd rather be. Um, we've had a long experience in the church and in business, and we're thrilled to do do that with, share that with um, the students here. Um, as um, Elder McCarty said, we're from Connecticut. And um, which for those of you who don't know, it's, we're just, we live about 75 miles north of New York City. And um, so we're as far from home as you are. Um, <laughs> we're, um, we're a long ways from, from our home, but this already feels like our Hohana. We're, um, I, I was here actually when I was a missionary going to Japan in 1973, um, lived in Hale 2 for two months and studied Japanese before going to Japan. And so it's wonderful to be back. We're grateful to be able to uh, mingle and be with the students and, um, and be here in career development. And we have four daughters, half of, half of what McCarty's have, but the ages with our daughters and their daughters matched up pretty, pretty well. <clears throat> so in fact, one of their daughters I saw on the screen today was at our house a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and we love her. Yep. So that was really fun. But we're excited to be here. We're excited to be a part of this. And already we love the students so much. Thank you. Um, I'm excited to work with you guys from here on out. Um, Elder and Sister Mark Hardy, I thank you for all that you've taught me and um, all the experiences I've been able to have with you, um, both good and bad. <laughs> <laughs> But each, honestly, each experience has taught me something new, and I'm, I am grateful for each of those experiences. So, um, if there was one thing that maybe you could, like one, maybe one principle that our you could give our listeners um, to take away from this podcast um, episode, what is, what would that one principle be? Well, the thought that immediately comes to me is that you should choose Christ every day. Choose him in your careers. Choose him in your families. If you stay close to Christ, he'll stay close to you, and you will have wonderful lives. And we are your Ohana. We'd love to hear from any of you. 
for the rest of your lives. You are part of our ohana forever. And we love the Lord and we love you. In one of our classes in Designing Your Life, we teach about failure immunity. And that doesn't mean that you'll never fail, but you'll never experience the impact of failure the, or the, the negative impacts of failure. Um, if I could give any advice to students, it's develop failure immunity. Learn to see failure or learn to see something that stops what you thought you were going to do and causes you, uh, I, I guess I can say it this way. If you get a no in something and you accept that, then you're defeated. You have failed. If you get a no and that simply tells you that I need to go this way and get around it or I need to go over it or I need to go under it or I need to, to redefine where I'm trying to get to and I just use it as one of the steps, you know, one of the steps that I'm going to have as I try and get to an endpoint, which may be a different endpoint than I thought of at the beginning. But if I finally keep going and don't stop until I get there, then I really haven't failed. All those steps in the middle, all those things that that looked like they could have been a no or a failure or something, they were just intermediate steps in a longer journey and getting to some place that's valuable to get to. Never accept failure. Um, if you accept failure, you just sit down in the dirt and cry. And, and what's the whole point? Um, just always readjust. Um, either readjust and look for a new way to get to where you were going or readjust where you were going to a point that you can get to and go. Um, that's my advice. Never, never say die. Never say give up. Never say fail. Just say, how am I going to readdress, reframe, redetermine what I'm doing, and how do I move on and still get to a valuable place? The Lord will bless you. Uh, my mom used to tell me, two people can do anything as long as one of them's God. <laughs> so if you your partner, you can always get to a good place. Always. It may not be where you originally planned. That doesn't matter. You can always get to a good place and fail your immunity. Just keep going. Never let what happens in the midway stop you from getting to the end. And that's one of the chapters in designing your life. Thank you so much. Um, we're pretty much at our time. Um, I thank you for all that you've been able to share with, with us and with our listeners. Um, I'm grateful for all the experience I've been able to have with you. And um, for now, uh, before we end the podcast, uh, thank you again so much. And uh, we will see you another time. Aloha. Thank you, Oahi. Aloha. Thank you. So now before um, we end our podcast today, I'd like to close out again with a few more announcements. Um, Please remember that this week's Friday Aloha Friday podcast is with Api Tora at 3 p.m. And our Mentoring Monday podcast will be with Paul Staples. Um, again, you can find us here on Facebook and on YouTube. And we hope that we to see you there and all your friends. Um, thank you and Aloha. Aloha.